I show you the results of my trifling experiments, I would like to drink to our partnership. Do you like gin? It is my only weakness. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, everybody. Last episode of the month of October. Is it now? We have to do five episodes for this month. Yeah. It's an extra long month, so we fit in one last October movie. Well, this is fun. This is a good one. This is a good one. Yeah. Everybody out there listening, welcome back, listeners, boys and girls, and everybody in between. My name is Pete. And I'm Scott. And And these these are are the movies movies that that made made us gay. Dipping into the classics yes, again. Indeed. Yes, indeed. I'm excited. Classics are fun. Universal monsters. We love it. Love it. This bitch is fierce. Scott, talk about what we watched and who we have with us today. Oh, we watched The Bride of Frankenstein from 1935, directed by uh, Mr. James Wales, with our returning guest, Mitch Ralston. Hi, everyone. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, Mitch. Welcome back to the show. How has this month been treating you? Um, well, 2020 sucks. Um, (laughs) I think everyone, everyone can agree on that. Yeah, we're on board. (laughs) This is definitely the Halloween where you have to celebrate the Halloween that's in your heart. Yeah. You have to really get down to the meat of what Halloween is all about. Yes, yes. I mean, for me, that's just eating lots of candy and watching movies. Well, I mean, we watch horror. Okay, we it doesn't have to be October to watch a horror movie. Not in at this all. House. Let's just let's just put that on the table. But um, yeah, we're pretty much watching scary movies every single day. Uh, this movie is in the pantheon of horror classics, um, featuring two Universal monsters. Yeah, is it scary? I mean, maybe so, to an audience in 1935. Yeah. What do you What do you have when, to say about that, Mitch? When you watch a Universal Monsters movie, you have to realize it, it's not exactly scary. But yeah. like, like you just said, to 1935 audiences, this is terrifying. Yeah. And um, this was post Hayes Code, right. so yeah. a lot of a lot of the text of the movie they had to like kind of add on almost religious overtones to but we'll get to that yeah. when it mm-hmm. happens in the movie but they they had to really like make it have a moral they had to like make it that like oh this is bad this yeah. is good this is what good is like this is what bad is like so so it's not exactly scary but it's it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, it's just universally acclaimed. I don't think there's a bad review. Widely regarded as one of the greatest sequels in, like, cinematic history. Yes, this is just so, true. So James Well didn't really want to make a sequel. Yeah. He said it would never live up to the original Frankenstein. And he really wanted to make, like, a more fun movie, as he put it. He wanted to make, like... And have more like laughs, more jokes, but really, there's a lot of there's a lot of dark in the movie. Like, yeah. I think this goes <laughs> like, down a little easier than the original movie because we were watching it, it like last week, and I think this movie has a quicker pace, and I think it's just a little more entertaining too. 
it it honestly it is um of of like the Universal Monster Frankenstein movies because I've been watching pretty much all of them on on Peacock now streaming. Ah uh, yes. Bum, bum, bum. I've been watching pretty much all of them. Yeah, I've been watching pretty much all of them. And Bride of Frankenstein really it it holds up the best. Like, like I I was I was watching like just the just the beginning opening with with Elsa Lancaster and it's and she's Mary Shelley mm-hmm. and then you just see like the maid walking by with the three giant ass dogs. Yes, and, okay. like, yeah, I love that. Those beautiful up. Afghans. That- that gigantic yeah, window that house. that they're standing in front of too. I think that's such a fun. Is- I think I think that's such a fun wrapper. Well, it's not really a wraparound. It's just at the beginning, but it's a really interesting way so, to to start off this as a sequel and just say like, "Well, you thought that was the end, but guess what?" Previously on Universal Monsters. Yes. <laughs> um, um, oh, so so they. It was supposed to be a wraparound. There was supposed to be an ending scene. There was a lot of things that were cut due to studio meddling. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was there was going to be an ending scene with um, with Mary Shelley, like, you know, saying like, oh, well, this is how, you know, that's kind of like summing up the, the moral of the story. Sure. Summing up, like, don't play God, you know. And she kind of says that, she kind of says that in the beginning, like, like, um, this is the chilling story and and he dared to play God and meanwhile like Lord Byron's like, Yes, these lightning bolts should strike me down, for I am the greatest sinner in all of history and it's like calm down, Queen. Yeah. Calm down, girl. <laughs> calm down. Yeah. Get it. Byron Get it. at the beginning of this movie, oh man, she is hamming it up. Like, wow. She with her like with her like writing pants. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they're they're very hunky. Just rolling all those R's, just like every chance like, <laughs> oh my goodness. That that performance. You know he went and did like some snuff before the scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Elsa is so beautiful as Mary Shelley in, she, in that first she's scene. She's gorgeous. Like yeah. even even as the bride. Oh yeah, even as the bride. Gorgeous. Yeah, she's super fierce. And those eyebrows her eyebrows are like are like bordering on like Vulcan. They're like so mm-hmm. straight. There's like yeah, no like arch, so, like like so like delicate. Yeah, you know what else? I because I was like thinking about Elsa Lancaster. Do you know what else she was in? Mary I mean, Poppins. Mary Poppins. She was she was in Mary Poppins. Katie Nana. Was also Willard's mom in Willard. Oh, that's right. That's probably one of her last big credits too. <laughs> that was that was one of her last roles was as sure. Willard's mom in Willard. Okay. Okay. I'm not familiar I was, with. I mean, I'm familiar with Willard. I just I should say I haven't seen it. Um. But you that's... really should. It's a fun. It's a fun view. <laughs> I think but I, I digress. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've only seen the remake of with Willard with Crispin Glover. With Crispin Glover, interesting. Crispin Glover being Crispin Glover for like yeah. an hour and a half. <laughs> so yeah, so this movie starts out with this fun little wraparound, and I love classic movies of from like I mean, is this the golden age of Hollywood? Sure, but these old black and white movies that typically have like wizard of oz and gone with the wind have like this dedication at the beginning you know things mm-hmm. things that just don't get done anymore and um you know at the beginning of this movie the first thing that comes on screen at the credits it just says karloff you know and like yeah no like, like smoky in, like background yeah and-, and in modern times no actor would just be credited by their last name but that was just part of like 
culturally like he was he was just Karloff. And um mm-hmm. and uh you know in the first movie the monster like he was credited was all over it but he was but it was still a question mark. And in, in this so, movie it's a question mark for her. It's a question mark for the bride, yeah. Yeah. The, he got he got billing in this as, you know, Karloff as the monster mm-hmm. like in the end credits. Um Elsa Lancaster gets the question mark the bride and i kind of like that i kind of like yeah who played the monster yes but um but elsa lancaster also gets credit for being mary shelley yes, so she's still yes, in there. the credit i know i i did notice that i was like okay that's good that's good for her um what i love though is that like okay yeah the last movie ended the windmill exploded you know baron frankenstein is thrown from the top of the windmill He's thrown from the top of the windmill and it becomes like a very noticeable like dummy yes, like yes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but apparently you know the cure for having every bone in your body Both shattered body. falling off of this windmill is just a couple days bed rest yeah <laughs> So one of my one of my favorite scenes, and I was telling this to my friend when I was watching this. I was like texting him the whole time. One of my favorite scenes is my favorite character in this whole movie is Una O'Connor uh, as Minnie Icon, oh, iconic. <laughs> so so my like my like list of like favorite Universal monsters are Una O'Connor, <laughs> then then Maria Uspenskaya, the the gypsy in the Wolfman. Oh okay, and then Dwight. <laughs> so he goes. That's my like. So she's she like she talks to like Elizabeth and she's like, oh, he won't be talking again, milady. <laughs> and then like a second later, like Henry Frankenstein's hand like like falls over, and then he's like Elizabeth, Elizabeth, and it's like, oh my god! I just imagine her with her like little Spanish senorita comb, like, are you making a fucking liar out of me? Pardon my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe we have. Um, I believe we have a clip of that. I'm not sure that Scott oh, shit. sent it to me, um, but you can just text it to me, and I'll get it shortly. But um, while we're waiting on that, fun fact about Minnie and this actress Una. To you know, to me, she's giving off you know very Frau Blucher vibes. Yes, right. Um, Basically, that yeah, that's what I I feel like they based Frau Blucher. Yes. Yes. And um but um, my my big thing about her is that because she's giving me very Frau Blucher vibes and Cloris Leachman at the time of Young Frankenstein was probably in her forties, but you know, dressed up a little mm-hmm. bit older. Yeah. Minnie just is a little old woman, right? There's cuts of her when she's yeah. walking in the hallways and she just sort of shuffles like an yes. old lady. And she but she is a nineteen thirty five little old lady. So when you look up yeah. her age, Scott, how old do you think oh Una is? Fifty? Fifty five. Yeah. And nineteen she yeah. was born in eighteen eighty. In nineteen thirty five she would have been fifty five years in old. This movie's old. But fifty five yeah. my favorite that's like Jamie Lee my Curtis is like twenty years older than her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my favorite thing about Minnie is I don't even know if she actually works at Frankenstein's house or if she's just like a village woman who just is a busybody and she just lives there now. She just succumbs her way into this castle every day. She just chills there now. That it's was like, another question. Yeah, I was like, what exactly she, does she do? She's just as Kramer, I guess. Bra- Baron Frankenstein. Yeah, she's just Kramer. I, I feel like she's like one of the maids because she answers the door. Yes, like, she does. Constantly. Yes. 
So um, she's like, she's, oh, go ahead. most of her time in the village too. So <laughs> she is everywhere at the drop of a hat. Anytime that monster is around, she is boom. Turn the camera. Minnie's there. She is definitely. So she's like the first person in the village Gladys to Kravitz. see the Frankenstein monster. I mean, well, the first person to see the monster is Alive. Hans, who is the father of the little girl who is oh, drowned right, right, right. in the river in the first movie. So it's a callback. And Hans' then, wife, she told him not to go in there. Yeah, his wife's like, don't. Poor Maria's dead. <laughs> Next you'll be dead. Then I'll be like, Like, Frankenstein's monster flat out kills that entire family. Oh, yeah. throws them... Like, Throws them down there. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. because so, these movies kind of – the monster is not the villain of these movies. The monster, especially in this movie, is Dr. Pretorius. You know, it's it's more so – the villain in the first movie is more so, you know, the Baron. Uh, the monster is more like a victim. He's so innocent. Yet in this movie, the first thing he fucking does is like throw Kill. Hans into the pit <laughs> – and uh, yeah, it, no, he Hans falls in, and then the monster just like drowns him. Yeah, and then Hans' wife, he, like the monster crawls out. Hans' wife, like ah, and he like tosses her down there, and you see her like her body fall. Yeah, you see her body fall into like the water, and it's like wow, this is violent. Yeah, there there's extensive use of uh, dummies in this scene, and they're used when they need a body to hit a large object and look like yeah. that person is dead. <laughs> so, Universal, the Universal monster movies don't really have a good concept of time, right? Yeah, because the the prologue scene is set when like Mary Shelley wrote. Um, wrote Frankenstein, and that was 1818. Even though in the credits it says 1816, but the story she's telling is set in like eight. They say 1899 as yeah. the date. So I mean, they always say that Mary Shelley was like the inventor of science fiction. So this is <laughs> right. She set the story future yeah <laughs> but also like the ma- male characters in the background are like wearing knickerbockers so they're wearing very like period accurate but period for the time the movie was made valerie hobson looks like she's just in a 30s glamour dress oh too god like with her and her like transatlantic accent yeah and, like yeah. the way she hams she hams it up i said the shadow above it's coming closer there it is closer. Yeah. and then she like and then she like has her like hysterics like on his lap. Yeah, I wanted him to just be like, "No, that's just that's my dresser. That's just yeah. that's, <laughs> that's no, that's a toaster." I like me and my friend when, when I was watching this, I was texting him. I'm like, "Oh my god, she's the worst." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, going back a little bit to to our pal Minnie and uh, and our favorite actress Una, we have a little clip of of one of my favorite many moments and, and you already mentioned it so let's take a listen she gives like a goofy scream at the end of it <laughs> it has a little goofy I love, holler her i love little... how much of minnie's lines are literally just her screaming mm-hmm. she has like a little senior pin too yeah i and I love that. I love that. Like she's the first person to see the Frankenstein monster, mm-hmm. right? She's the first person, like in the household, to see it. And then she's telling everyone, "Oh my god, it's the monster! It's the monster!" And no one's listening to her. And she's no. like, "Well, well, forget them. I wash my hands. Let them die in their bed." She has cried wolf one too many times. I'm not. Tr- I'm not trusting Minnie if she's. You know, she's my house frau. 
I don't know. I don't know about how 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 accurate she is. So, when do we meet Doctor Pretorius? Right after. Yeah, right after. So, to set it up. Elizabeth has her little psychedelic freak out, and then immediately after, it's bang, 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 bang at the door. <laughs> and Minnie comes in her like mob cap with her with her like rat like her hair is like in a braid on her back. Mm-hmm. She's in her like pajamas. <laughs> I love the little like candle, you know, it's the like, big candle with the mirror on the candle back. on the little like tray that she's carrying around. Very, it's, you know, like like it's like a, a flashlight of mm-hmm, some sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she, she mentions to Doctor Frank, Professor Professor Frankenstein, Baron Frankenstein, Henry. She's like, he's a queer fellow, and it's like, oh, <laughs> oh. oh boy. So, I mean, we the thing is, we are very, we've been very meticulous thus far to refer to him as Baron Frankenstein because, oh, he's he, not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, he. Asked, they do mention Elizabeth after Frankenstein does get married. They mentioned Elizabeth is the Baroness. So, right. right. I, yes. So yes, is Baron Frankenstein and that is canon in the movie? Question in the book: Is he Henry Frankenstein or Victor Frankenstein? Victor. I so he I think he's Victor in the book because his um his friend is named Henry. The character that Tom mm. Hulse played in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is named Henry. Henry Clavel. Oh. So is is Victor in the book. Um in in the um original movie he was changed to Henry because it was to make it more I'm going to say palatable to American audiences that Victor was a little too ethnic (laughs) yeah Victor's a little too ethnic (laughs) (laughs) he's Victor again in Young Frankenstein in Mel Brooks he is played by the very handsome played by the very handsome Colin Clive who I believe starred in James Wales' first movie he was and Mm -hmm. Colin Clive um as as witnessed in Gods and Monsters, was um, rumored to be bisexual. Yes, I want to talk about Gods and Monsters later too. Yeah, we'll we'll circle back to that. Um, but he was also a very very violent drunk, Love and Interesting. he he um, he almost like they almost wanted to recast him because he was so drunk. Elizabeth was recast, and, right? Yeah. Elizabeth was recast because the original Elizabeth had like she had she got sick she was like very wow. ill and she couldn't um, she couldn't be in the movie so they they the studio wanted to recast Henry but um, James Well like refused it he wanted because he he felt that the alcoholism made him more, um, <laughs> more like unhinged sure. Made him like unhinged, like more like Stanislavski method. Or it something com- like it that. comes across when he's like creating, you know, creating love. Yeah, when he's creating and his hair's all yeah. like in his face and he's like, like insane. Yeah. Yes. He's so another I, one, I, I, um, Colin Clive. He's another one that uh, at the time of the making of this movie, 35 years old. Yeah, he mm-hmm. he looks he, to be about forty eight. He even looks like he <laughs> aged a lot in between Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein yeah. too. Well, Frankenstein was thirty one, and Bride of Frankenstein was thirty five. So that's only four years. Yeah. It must have like, been it must have been the booze. But he 
he drank a lot. Yeah. Like he was a drunk. Sure. He was a drunk. Wow. So that's that kind of goes into it. Um, Pretorius um, is introduced in this scene with with um, Minnie and 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 the whole thing, and he comes in and a lot of Pretorius, as played by Edward Thesinger's, a lot of his portrayal is kind of the um, as they described it in the celluloid closet is a sissy portrayal. Definitely, yes, yes yep. indeed. He's so, got a little list, so he's he's kind of like like a proto Paul Lind, like he's mincing and like <laughs> like. I so, actually thought that. It was a it was a little subdued. He has a little bit of a lisp, and in the big shot when he proclaims, you know, the bride of Frankenstein after you know this, the bride of yes, and his you know his, his little hands are down there. That was very much like oh girl, but I feel like it's not as overt yes. as it could have been. It um, pops when it needs to. Yes, yes. Um, but definitely, definitely a sissy. Definitely a very like, um, yeah, an effeminate character for sure, um, yeah. especially compared to to uh, Henry. Also, he he's he's they describe him as being like Henry's like mentor yes. in yeah. the medical academy or whatever, mm-hmm. and. He was he was like so proud of Henry's reputation creating the monster that he wanted to show his own experiments, and this is where the movie like kind of flies off the rails. Oh my god! Yeah, it turns oh into a god. it turns into a weird episode of the Twilight Zone that no one talks about. It's like it's like a Looney Tunes bit yeah. there. So, so okay, all, all like yeah. all cards on the table. I hadn't seen this movie all the way through. I don't think ever. Um. I've seen, you know, bits and pieces, the opening sequence, the the, the end scene. Um, but I was blissfully unaware of Dr. Pretorius and his homunculi until... I was about to think they're called. Yeah, until about two hours ago. And I was like, I thought it was a coffin that he's pulling this thing out. This and I was little, like, this, what's in the coffin? This little child coffin because that he's bringing small. in. Yeah, so I think it's a child it's coffin. Like a dead baby that he tried to, like, resurrect. Or, like, then, a chimp. yes. <laughs> then he opens... So I'm thinking it's, like, a chimp or, or an animal or something. Then he opens it, and it's, like, you can kind of see some stuff inside kind of obscured. And I was like, is that a fucking violin? What the hell is that? And then he starts pulling out these, like, cloched, you know, things... And it's full on the, you know, Barbie color reveal, you know, like tubes with the little queen of hearts or like, actually, she's like very, she's very Queen Victoria, right? Yeah. Queen. And like the king. So lovely. Queen. Yes. And the king is very like, you know, what is he? Henry VIII or whatever. And they just have like the little, the little high pitched squeaky voices, you know, the little cousinette voice noises. Yes, and we're presumed that he made them from scratch. He grew. He them. grew them. He grew them. Yeah. So homunculi are a um, alchemist kind of thing. Ugh. The science back in the day felt that that sperm was, you know. All that was needed to make life. Yep. So, so 
it's literally injected in an egg. The recipe is so gross. <laughs> so they're sort of like yeah. the OG test tube baby. Yeah. So it, yes, in a way, yes. But like they, of course, it being 1935, they can't like go really into like the like yeah. alchemy of it, or yeah, something like that. But like, <laughs> my favorite part is when the king like climbs out of his oh my little. Gosh. His little, his little tiny his little um, jar. jar, and like is going after the queen, and and then he like takes like Pretorius takes like clamps, like put her back in the jar. That got it banned in Japan. Oh wow! Why the, why is that Japan. too horny? It was making fun of a king. It was making fun oh, of a king. Interesting. That's why. That's a pretty cool effect too, because that looks. That looks pretty solid. They, of when, yeah. of when he puts him in, when he puts him back in the jar. All the stuff with the miniatures, I thought were really good. Um, the mermaid. I, I experimented with some seaweed, and this is what came out. I damn near lost my mind when I saw the mermaid. I was like, no fucking way. And then come to find out, and like a tiny devil. <laughs> the little devil was amazing. I love that he was just like a handsome man in a suit. I was like, okay, that's cute. I love it. Um, Notorious. Notorious being himself is like he spares a striking resemblance to myself, or, yeah. or am I just <laughs> like, 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 calm down, calm yeah. down. But the craziest thing I read on the IMDb trivia is that one there was like an extra one that was like cut for time or something, and it was Baby Billy Barty. Oh, Billy Barty. infant in a high chair. I love Baby. I love Billy oh, Barty. God, and I love that they were like, okay. A, they're homunculi, so they're going to be tiny. B, it's going to be a baby homunculus, so it'll be even tinier. So we got to get a baby dwarf. And B, we're going to get a dwarf baby. <laughs> so I wonder how old Billy Barty was back like in 1935. Yeah. Like, Is this literally... He must have been pretty young. I wonder if that image exists anywhere online. It says... I- it says that there's like cutaways where you can kind of see it like off to the side, you but can- I don't know. Like you can kind of see the extra jar that he would have been, and you can kind of see it. Billy Barty was born in 24, so he would have been 11 years old. Wow. <laughs> Playing a baby. Playing a baby, yeah. So Pretorius is, like, trying to, like, get get Henry, like, involved in, in um, cre- another experiment. And Henry's like, no, I found Christianity. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Lord, let me I'm on the straight and narrow. I'm marrying this chick. So what I kind of, what I kind of had, I mean, it kind of was confusing at first, but then I remembered, okay, the whole thing is they got the body of this hanged man and then they got this other brain from somewhere else in the first movie. So in this one, Pretorius is saying, you provide a body and I will grow us a brain. Yeah. So I never really understood that. Like I, until like this this recent watching that I just watched, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that, that explains so much about the bride when the bride comes out is like she's got like like this yeah grown brain head, so that's why she's all like like skittering head around going like ah like yeah. that noise she made. When she- <laughs> Yeah, this is like her. This is like her birth because she. It's not like she, it's the brain of a person who was alive and died. It's like a brand new brain. So she's just like, "What the shit is going on? Who are you people? What yeah. is what is that crazy green man?" I mean, I mean, 
to be fair, she would have been like a newborn. So yeah, and like that's the kind of like when she does like lean, mm-hmm. like when she first like this kind of like Michael Jackson lean when she's starting to walk. <laughs> well, another thing that I read was that Elsa was like five two or something. So she mm-hmm. is on some major like Herman Munster platforms underneath that because yeah, she's so teeny, yeah. yeah. Because she was yeah. she was taller than than you know Henry than Baron Frankenstein. And the hair makes her look bigger too. Well, but yeah, but even her head was yeah, like like five inches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk about the monster and his like quest in the forest. <laughs> Like, yeah, all of a sudden, like, I feel so sorry for the monster in this movie. Yes. Because, I mean, they start out with him just killing a bunch of peeps, like, Mm -hmm. and then, like, then he's just kind of wandering through the forest and he just wants some freaking rotisserie chicken. Seriously. Burning his hands all over the place. This this entire movie, Frankenstein just wants some rotisserie chicken. Give him some rotisserie chicken. And then I'm thinking, too, I'm like, but like, would he even eat like like chicken like on the spit? Like he's like this grotesque creature. But I'm like, well, I guess if he's kind of like a zombie or something. When he yeah, was drinking he would, wine, he'd still eat. When I was drink, when he was drinking wine, I half expected it to come out of his bolts. Oh, uh, that would have <laughs> been like amazing. Herman like, Herman like Munster like a, style. Yeah, that'd have been really good. So, the the scenes with like the forest and all that are just freaking gorgeous. They're yeah, that's cool. cool. Like past, and this is all on a soundstage. I noticed yeah. that. Like it's all on a soundstage, and so it's like this pastoral scene where there's like a shepherd is, and then she falls in the water, <laughs> and I yeah, and I feel so sorry because the monster pulls her out like to save her, and then he's like waving over her face like now, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> like like don't scream now because but he can't talk, so he's like nah, yeah. Nah. And she's like screaming, and these freaking hunters come and just shoot him. Straight up, like, shoot him in the arm. Uh, yeah, just like just shoot him, and he's like, no, ah, when he like runs off. Meanwhile, if he hadn't fished that idiot girl out of this pond, she probably would have drowned. Like she's she's just like frolicking on this cliff over this waterfall. Yeah, yeah, just frolicking on this like frolicking. On this. <laughs> he should have left her in there. I want to talk about his um, uh, relationship with the hermit. His domestic partnership? His domestic partnership with the hermit. It's totally like a, <laughs> yep. a gay marriage. He's just so, like, well, I guess we live together yep, now. <laughs> I guess I guess we're married. We found each other. So, so the, the monster is like being pursued. The, the hunters go and get like a... Um, they get like an angry like a, mob, a posse, yeah, a Simpson style mob. <laughs> Literally, yeah, and and he's he's brought to the dungeon in whatever Eastern European village Frankenstein takes place in. And a little trivia: the name of that village is Vasaria, as witnessed in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Ah, <laughs> interesting. So, um, the Burgermeister, who's this little like skinny English dude, who was also in the Invisible Man. He like hauls him off to the to the dungeon, and they put him in this giant like like way overdone chain set, which he and makes short work of. of. Oh yeah, and then he just tears off that door like it's made of cardboard. Well, it probably was. It probably was. <laughs> before, before they do that, so there's a lot of religious imagery in this movie. 
So when the hunters catch the Frankenstein monster, they they put him in like almost a cruciform. Like yeah. he is almost on a mm-hmm. cross. And they haul him up and it is very much a um religious symbolism. In fact, yeah. I believe I believe part of what the censors didn't like about it was that it was almost blasphemous. That that like the Christ figure of, is this monster. Yeah. There's also a scene that was cut where Frankenstein's monster is going through like a cemetery and he sees Jesus on a cross and he's kind of got like like because he was just in like a cruciform mm-hmm. himself, he like tries to like pull the Jesus statue off the cross and they like they cut that scene oh, too. Yeah, that's so so meanwhile Minnie Minnie is just chilling in the town. I don't know why, but she's just chilling in the yeah. town. And and she's like like you make sure he doesn't get out there. You make sure. Like, she's like cussing out the Burgermeister. <laughs> <laughs> and then Frank, of course, escapes. He escapes. It's what he does. And he goes through a rampage through the town. I counted like five people that he like killed off screen. Sure. Yeah. He's just, yeah. Cause he's, when he's trying to get away, he, he plows through a couple of people and they fall down. You assume he's like killing them, but yeah. Um, and then when those guys do come to get him, they're like, he's the one that's been like murdering half the town. And I was like, oh, you're being, that's a little hyperbole. But then I was like, he kind of is, he kind of is. (laughs) Well, they show like the, like the, the, the lady with all the little children that I'm presuming Mm -hmm. is the school. And she's like, where is Valerie or whatever the little girl's name is. Oh yeah. And then like, oh, look. And then she's like, oh Oh, no. no. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. that was kind of sad. All the murders are off screen. Yeah. But the Monster does kill like at least five or six people when he's escaping. Yeah, he does it with those gypsies. Yeah, the so the gypsy family. I I don't like saying that term, but I guess like, <laughs> the traveler family. They're like and, and they're like Halloween carnival gypsies too. They're they're kind yeah. of the fun yeah. gypsies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're like they're cooking a rotisserie chicken. He just mm-hmm. wants his rotisserie chicken. The grandma's smoking her her like pipe, and she's like, "It needs salt, it needs salt and and pepper." And then like the monster comes by, and this is like seconds ago. The mother's like, "Come closer, the monster's out," and and the, it's like, "Oh no, the burgermeister got him." The monster's like, Mah! and they're like, "Ah!" They run away. Yeah, and he continues and to like have his issues with fire. Yeah, because you know? he tries. He like, like reaches right into the fire. Well, yeah, he, he grabbed that chicken. I mean, bad move. Yeah, he just grabs it. Um, so he 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 leaves the campfire and he hears a violin playing Ave Maria. Yeah, again the like religious symbolism of the movie, mm-hmm. and he comes to the hermit, and that's the hermit was like I guess praying for a friend like Lilo and Stitch or something. Yes, like, <laughs> and just- my th- and like is he supposed to be like? He's not supposed to be like a monk or anything. He's just kind of in in like this Obi Wan Kenobi. He's robe. just blind and alone in his cabin. Sure, he really can't leave. Hopefully, somebody's coming around to drop him off food or something. I, I mean, he's got plenty of wine, so he he must be seeing somebody. Because where is he getting these bottles and of wine from? I I have so many questions about this hermit. Um, he's he pulls out a cigar. Who's yeah, him the cigars? tobacco, all of that. He's got all his food, like, who, he's blind and out in, like, and it's, like, it's kind of, like, implied that he's, like, far in the woods. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Pretty isolated. Like, it's a far in the woods. But he's, like, the monster comes in, and he's blind, so he doesn't see it, and he's, like, 
Oh, you're afflicted too. You cannot speak. <laughs> He's <I'm> mute. Like, <laughs> and it's like I, I'm getting like teary-eyed in the scene because it's so sweet that he's like, like he's like praying like, oh, thank you, Lord, for bringing me someone. And and well, then they cut like they they like illuminate the cross in that scene as it like blacks out. Like <laughs> yeah, that's very like uh, theater light, mm-hmm. like theater lighting. Um, we have a little clip of uh, the hermit with the monster. We'll take a listen to that. We shall be friends. I have prayed many times for God to send me a friend. <sighs> It's very lonely here, and it's been a long time since any human being came into this hut. I shall look after you, and you will comfort me. Now you must lie down and go to sleep. Yes, yes. Now you must sleep. Ah, Father, I thank thee that in thy great mercy thou hast taken pity on my great loneliness and now out of the silence of the night hast brought two of thy lonely children together and sent me a friend to be a light to mine eyes and a comfort in time of trouble. I love this, like, melodramatic organ that music. That organ music. Background. Oh, my God. It's, it's amazing. Ave <laughs> Maria. Yeah, it's very, like, soap opera like, organ that, music. That scene was making me cry. Like, I was, like, getting teary-eyed. I was, like... <laughs> He teaches him. <laughs> he teaches him what a friend is. It's it's sort of Frankenstein's first grasp of language, and it takes a blind man. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> well, so the press for this whole movie was the monster speaks. Like that was yeah. like the tagline. Like the monster speaks. Oh no! And Boris Karloff did not want the creature to speak. I guess he wore like dentures or something. Yeah. And in the first he didn't have them in so it gave him like sunken cheeks like it looked like a corpse yeah that's why he looked so different in this movie also what I noticed about how different he looked I thought a lot of it had to do with you know that removable bridge work to give him that like sunken face in the first movie but what I finally figured out was that he has more hair in the first movie, like Herman Munster style. Sure. Has a little bit like yeah. of a little Caesar cut. He has his little flat top. Yeah. Yeah. And in this movie, I feel like they kind of took that away and he looks a little bit more like road weary because of the windmill explosion. So I'm thinking. Exactly. Yeah. He's a little weathered down. He's a little burned yeah. up makeup and singed. Makeup design creature in this movie was supposed to reflect the fact that yes mm-hmm. he did get burnt a lot in the windmill yeah um even they they right before the creature saves that that stupid shepherdess he's looking in the water and he sees his reflection and he kind yeah. of hey. like pushes it away because he sees you know what he looks like and as the movie progresses his his injuries are kind of healing a little bit so sure. that's that's part of the 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 genius of jack pierce's makeup design for this movie yeah all that now i have not read 
the modern Prometheus, but is the character not pretty verbal in the book? Like, he's pretty smart, so, right? He's just like, he just can hold a conversation creature, and has the, TED Talks. No, the creature is a genius yeah. in the book. Like, he is super smart. And he's the um, villain of the book, right? Because he becomes hermit, like a murderer. Yeah. The Well, the creature the creature is, like, plotting. He, mm-hmm. like, plots stuff. He, um, he like, killed um, Victor Frankenstein's younger brother and blamed it on a local, like, a local girl. But, like... Victor knew that it was the monster. Like the whole mm-hmm. story is is it's a little bit different. Yeah. He's more verbal, he's more articulate, and he's he's cunning. Yeah. So he's out he's out for Victor in, in, in the book. Interesting. I don't remember Bob De Niro doing any of that in the Kenneth Prana movie. <laughs> well, I mean, for me, I really f- take as canon and where I'm getting all of my information from is uh the Stephen Summers masterpiece Van Helsing. Sure. Because that, to me, is the most accurate representation of uh, of all of these properties. Of the Universal Monsters canon. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. That that over bloated. I'm, I'm going to take a little sagu right now since you did mention <laughs> Van Helsing. Yeah. Um, there have been numerous attempts to kind of reboot the Universal Monsters. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. In 1997, there was a TV movie, House of Frankenstein, with like. Terry Polo as a lady werewolf. <laughs> I have, I kind of remember this. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I being like on NBC. Sure. Yeah, on mm-hmm. NBC. And um, I guess in 1991, there was supposed to be a TV remake of Bride of Frankenstein. And I want, I don't want to, um, tip of my tongue. I don't remember who the director <laughs> Did was. They Scorsese. Ever... Scorsese wanted sure. to direct it. Um, okay. Then, of course, then there was Van Helsing. And then there was the whole Sexy Lady Mummy movie that came out in 2017. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I feel like the 90s had an unofficial reboot of the Universal Monsters, starting with Bram Stoker's Dracula. And you mentioned a a bit ago Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, directed by Kenneth Branagh, which I have not seen I saw it a long time ago. And I know that Helena Bonham Carter kind of plays an analog to... She's Elizabeth and the Bride. And the Bride. Plays Elizabeth and the Bride, yeah. Sure. And then in the 80s, there were also the... There was the shitty Roger Corman... Unbound. Frankenstein Unbound. And then there was... and that had Roll Julia. <laughs> was it 91? Okay, yeah, it was 91. And then when was The Bride with Sting and Jennifer Beals? The Bride was 1985, and The Bride, yes, like, when you yeah. just list the cast, it sounds it's like... It's crazy! Uh, it sounds like a Chloe Sevigny, like, skit by Drew Doge. All, yeah, the Good amount, evening, the amount of crazy names. The Bride, something Clancy Brown, <laughs> Jennifer Beals. <laughs> and Sting. And Sting. <laughs> now, okay, which one has Michael Hutchins from NXS as Shelley? Is that The Bride, or is that Frankenstein Unbound? Um, Gothic. Hmm. There was. Uh, let me look this up. I think it might be there Frankenstein was, and Bound that I'm thinking of because one of one of them has Michael Hutchins from In Excess as as Shelley, as, as per- like, Percy Shelley. Like Shelley. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a movie in 1985 that was directed by Ken Russell that was about the um, the the whole like summer that they wrote Frankenstein. Sure. Yes. 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 
that, that, uh, that uh, whole that night. Was not my questions. That was Gabe, uh, Gabriel Bryan played Lord Byron. Gabriel Byrne, yeah, I remember that. And played Percy Shelley, and Natasha Richardson played Mary Shelley. Interesting. Yeah, because isn't, there, be insane, isn't yeah. there like a whole story of that they were all like out drinking and they all decided to write all of these horror novels? Yeah, yeah. They, literally, so the joke with me and my friends is that that um, Lord Byron was such a poop that Mary Shelley created a whole new brand of literature with science fiction. Yeah. And Polidori basically – Dr. Polidori basically created vampire fiction – based on just how much of like Lord Byron was was a dumbass. Okay, so listen to this. Roger Corman's Frankenstein Unbound that was actually released in 1990. Listen to this cast. Okay. Listen to this cast. Mary Shelley. All right. Bridget Fonda. Love oh it. my god. No. Uh Lord Byron, Jason Patrick. Love it. <laughs> and Percy Shelley, Michael Hutchins from NXS. Mm-mm. That I mean that is a fuckable a that is a fuckable three-way right there. I I feel like I need to rewatch this. I feel like I I know that I've seen it on the Sci-Fi Channel mm. in like the nineties. I like always remember. I always remember the poster because it was an eyeball, and the eyeball had three different colors. Of the irises were all stitched together. Yes. And as I'm a kid, like, I was yeah. just like, oh, that looks so scary. And my sister, and, being a huge NXS fan, she was like, we have to see this movie. And my dad was like, you're not seeing that movie. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So bad. we never saw it. it. What and then and then of course if we're going to talk about '90s Frankenstein movies, we have to talk about Frankenhooker. Oh yeah, yes, Frankenhooker, yeah. which I which I love. On a date, got some money. <laughs> I was thinking about that when I what did I? Oh, when um when the bride is <clears throat> right before their. She's laying on the, you know, the slab. the slab and, you know, they're setting her up with the kites and all that stuff. And her bandages that cover her body when she's still completely covered up her, like, she's got some like cone boobies, yeah. some, like Gautier, like cone boobies made of those bandages. And I was like, look at those Franken titties. And then I was, and then I remembered in my head, I was like, Oh man, Frankenhooker. I forgot about that one. <laughs> So, so let's just have a moment of silence for the Angelina Jolie, Javier Bardem, Bride of Fr- yeah. Frankenstein that will never <laughs> That was supposed to be a thing. Gal Gadot is sort of rumored on the internet, but I don't know if anything's going to be happening with that script. Well, I mean, with The Invisible Man mm-hmm. being, like, such a hit, maybe, maybe there's hope for... The Universal Monsters to live again, and but. the and the Lee Whannell Invisible Man just sort of happened that the dark the new Dark Universe was off the table. They were not going to do it, and they just sort of took like, a meeting with Lee Whannell of okay, you have a pitch for the Invisible Man, let's hear it. Yeah, and you can't go over like twenty million dollars in your budget, and yeah, it was and it's one it of worked. the it was one of the so few well. hits of twenty twenty so far. Yeah. But well, it was like you know, a, this the legacy would be a big. <laughs> I mean, the thing about the Invisible Man was that it was this kind of like modern take on the material, and the Invisible Man can have this modern take. I feel like with yeah. this, with this material, like, you can't really update Frankenstein. Like, what does it and turn you can't, into? And you can't go right into Bride of Frankenstein too. I don't know if it really works like that. Yeah. But. 
can't. You have to do Frankenstein to get to Bride of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now I want to watch. So, now I want to watch Branna's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein because I I want to see. It's so weird. Like like he uses ambiotic fluid that he collects from like women giving birth. Sure. To birth the mom. Hey, it, and he uses gills. Hey, stem cells, uh, man. That he was on. He was. Uh, he was onto something. <laughs> there you go. I feel like Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein's like the straight cousin of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Of- they don't talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the monster after he's like, after he like gives himself third degree burns on his hands eating rotisserie chicken at the gypsy camp, another freaking angry mob is chasing after him, and he finds himself in the cemetery, and he chases oh, after yes. he finds two grave robbers, one of which is played by one of my all time favorite Universal monster players. Dwight Fry, he plays Carl. Now, am I? Tell me if I'm wrong. Is this not the same actor that plays in Dracula? Fritz. No, no, no. But well, fr- he's Fritz in the first movie. Renfield and yeah. Dracula. That's what I thought. Now, sure. so many Universal monster movies. Now, let me say and I this: have a, a crush on him. I was going <laughs> to say. You just said you have a little bit of a crush on him. Let me say this: when he's Renfield, I know he's supposed to be crazy eyes and stupid, but it's like he's kind of hot. He's handsome. I was like, yeah, and he's like, fly, fly <laughs> everywhere, and it's like, ooh, honey, fly. Yeah, he's like, he's got a, he's got a handsome face. They like, they ugly him up in this one. They dirty him up because he's they, a grave robber. Oh my god, he, he ass. He's got like a unibrow, yeah, and like, and so he and he plays Carl, and then there's another grave robber named Ludwig, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like. They're kind of like the Horace and Jasper of Cruella yes, Deville. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. So this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movies because Dr. Pretorius is just hanging out in this ma- mausoleum, drinking wine and Having a glass of wine. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> Making a whole evening of it. Why not? So so he sends he sends um, Ludwig and and Carl to get a fresh, a fresh body and kind of like alludes like, you know – out there, you'll be killed. You'll be put to the noose. And Carl says the funniest line in the whole movie. He says, "This isn't the life for a. This isn't the life for a murderer. I should just turn myself in and do what's best with the noose or something like that." It's yeah, so I, n- I, I noted that line when he said it. I was like, "Holy shit, that's dark, dude." <laughs> He's like, "This isn't the life for a murderer. I should just turn myself turn in, myself just- in, get the death penalty." <laughs> yeah. Um. So Pretorius meets the meets the creature, and it's kind of like very much like the creature walks on. Yeah, and Pretorius is like, "Oh, hello!" <laughs> Funny seeing you here. Seen here. Yeah. yeah, he's very he's he's on board. He's not he's he knows what's up. I mean, this is a man who's created like a, his own tiny town. He he's not going to be scared of some flat-headed oh. like. Offers him a cigar. Offers him a cigar. Fire. Oh, smoke. Good. Smoke. Good. <laughs> I love that the monster takes like one hit of the stogie and is just like, fuck yeah, I am in flavor country. He loves <laughs> it, dude. He is about that smoking life. He's like those he's like those bears that you see at the bar that are just smoking a big old cigar. <laughs> Gross. So so 
um, Pretorius is trying to like explain the experiment to the creature. Really, what he's trying to do is he's he's trying to make the creature on his side. Yep. Yeah. Me hate Frankenstein. And like like he's getting the creature on his side. He's giving him wine. He's sweet talking him. Um. And then, and then the whole scene from the beginning of Weird Science, the the whole scene yep. that you know from the, you make man like me, me yeah. no <laughs> woman, friend. Meanwhile, I'm over here texting my friend. I'm like, give the monster a gay guy. Give him, a, <laughs> make another guy. He won't care. Him. I don't. Think I know. The, I don't think the monster would mind. He just wants somebody. He just, he just wants, wants a companion. Someone. Yeah. He just wants. The monster is is he's pan he's fluid. I th- yeah, I think he's I think he's more pansexual. He doesn't doesn't mi- yeah. yeah it, doesn't, it could be anybody. He might actually be he might actually be aromantic because true. Yeah. Oh, I I had the most disturbing thought. I'm like, does Doctor Pretorius just expect the monster and the bride to just bang? He wants yeah. to start like a new race mm-hmm. of like zombie people. I'm like. Are they going to have sex? Is that what he's expecting? That's his. That's his end game. I is... hope that Frankenstein's parts work. I don't know. Well, he doesn't young Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, doesn't young Frankenstein. We just rewatched <laughs> Young Frankenstein too. <laughs> young Frankenstein, and I. I'm going to be very controversial. I love Dracula Dead and loving it. There, it's it's it. been a while <laughs> since I've seen that one. You know, that's I... definitely the black sheep of the Mel Brooks catalog. Yeah, I would probably have a soft spot for it. It's been it's been too long. We'll check it out. We'll check it out this Halloween season. We've got nothing else to do. So off screen, Henry and Elizabeth got married. Like they literally got married off screen. And Elizabeth is wearing this fabulous fur stole. Yes. Yeah. Like this like like fur trim and like a fascinator. And and like Henry's kind of like like he doesn't really want to do the experiment. He's kind of negging on. Yeah. So, so Pretorius literally knocks down the door. Like he like comes in like, like Maleficent, like full on (laughs) Disney villain moment comes out of the dark and like threatens Henry and like, no, no, no. Pretorius does. Yeah. Pretorius does come in, but then like Henry's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then he's like, well, I have something that might change your mind. Yep. And he goes to the window and is like, like that, and the monster comes in and like smashes down the door, and and he speaks, and he speaks. He's yep. you. He's taught him words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that's so the first thing Henry says to the monster in Frankenstein was sit, sit, mm. and now the monster's kind of turning it on Frankenstein. Like, you shit. Oh, okay, very cool, and. And he flat out kidnaps Elizabeth just right there, just like over the shoulder. <laughs> yep. And the whole the whole household is like, oh, oh, and then like Pretorius is like flat out like, your Baroness, this is this is because he did mention she's a Baroness. Your Baroness will come back fine. Henry just has to go with me for this. Yeah. And that's kind of like that's kind of like the cruise. That's like where the action is starting. This is where where um. The the rising action because the movie's like got like about fifteen minutes left because yeah, Universal monster movies are all about an hour and ten minutes and they're perfect to put on before you go to bed. Short and sweet. You can even put them on yeah. when you're going to when you're going to bed. Yeah, like like to fall asleep too. Short and sweet, kind of ASMR y. 
<laughs> Dr. Petronius is like clicking on a can for like a few minutes. Yeah. Like in the background, you hear like. <laughs> yeah, this whole the whole uh scene with you know bringing the bride to life. Well, my question is if 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 uh you know Henry was just so against this like they procured this body. Oh, well, I guess uh his lack Pretorius's lackeys got the body. So Carl Carl and Ludwig yeah. have the bodies. Sure. Um they've they've been robbing graves because the the very first the scene where we meet Pretorius and the monster meets Pretorius, he's over a gravestone reading, you know, blah blah blah, died eighteen ninety nine, yeah. nineteen years of age. All and, we really need Henry for is his equipment. Well, I mean, Pretorius let's be doesn't real. really have knowledge to do the the experiment, and yes, he does need the equi- equipment. Yeah. Um, there's a really gruesome scene. Um. The uh, the Carl mentions like the heart. Henry's working on the heart mm-hmm, of the room, mm-hmm. and it's it's like I need something more fresh. I need a fresher heart. And then Pretorius is like, "Well, Carl, go find one that's been in a recent accident." And he kind of like does this like kind of wink to him. Yeah, yeah. And then like Henry's like, uh, accidents happen so frequently. And then like, and then Carl comes back like not even like it's like less than a scene later. He comes back with like a fresh heart. And he's like, I pl- I paid the Gardam fifty francs, and and then he's like, where did you get it? And he's like, it was a a police case <laughs> like that. <laughs> but before he goes, before he goes, he mentions something like, I'll just hold her down. I'll put my knife into her chest and I'll hold her down. And I'm like, this is dark, Ew, dark, e- it's dark. It's, e- <laughs> it's- yeah. Like, oh my. Well, especially for like and a 1935 like- audience too. Uh-huh. And for a second, for a second, I'm like, is he going to kill Elizabeth? Yeah, and I, I read, so too. I read somewhere, um, an author, I believe Kim Newman, had an early script. There's been like four or five different rewrites of the script um, mm-hmm. when they originally announced that they were going to make Bride of Frankenstein, and they kept like sending it to the Hayes Code, and they would say, no, this can't be in it, and they'd bring it back, and they'd write it again. And there was a scene where it was Elizabeth's heart that Carl cut out. Sure. And that's where it comes from. And that's kind of like where we get it from in Kenneth Branagh's. Yeah. I wonder if they would have used that same actress as the bride. Hmm. Hmm. Probably. just took her heart, though. Yeah. They already got the body. So, okay. We need to to jump ahead to the bride becoming animated and her interaction with, with the monster, because this is, this is what everybody paid to see. The whole thing is that, you know, the bride of Frankenstein is canonically a universal monster. She's on all the t-shirts and all the posters and she's in all the Tumblr images with, you know, she has a maze this year at universal studios, Florida. Oh, I love that. They're like, COVID appropriate maze sure. is themed after Frankenstein. You can admire her from a distance. All the all yeah. the like um, all the Tumblr the fan all the Tumblr fan art that has like both Morticia's, you know, Vampira, Elvira, Lily Munster, uh, and Bride of Frankenstein. 
just inspired so many goth cholas. It's mm-hmm. not even funny. I know. Yeah, yes, indeed. Put some like sleeve tattoos on her, and you're good to go. Yes, indeed. But you know, the big like gag is that she's got what three minutes of screen time? Five minutes at most. It's it's. So I was saying the reason why Elsa Lancaster has her little. Um, Mary Shelley prologue mm-hmm. is because she literally has no lines as the bride. Yeah. She is acting. She is acting. She is acting like a storm. Heart. Yes. Like she has this kind of dead stare. Mm-hmm. Like this, yeah. like dead, like she doesn't know where she is. But she does this like jerky motion. Um, I read somewhere her hiss was inspired by gooses. Mm-hmm. That's about right. Not that, not, not that weird ah, noise that she makes when she first comes out. <laughs> she has this like, yeah, she does. James Well had made so many cuts of the hiss scene that, like, she was like, she lost her voice. She was like, "Are we done, James? Can I have some tea?" No, oh, again, okay. <laughs> I mean, she, like we said before, her face is so beautiful. This look is so simple because, yeah. like, you uh-huh. have ideas del- of what it is in her of what it is in your head of what she's wearing, but it's really just a sheet with wrapped up arms. Yeah. And then the hair, mm-hmm. you know, she has uh-huh. these slight scars across her jawline. Yeah. It's like a delicate stitch work. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Re- it is really beautiful is what it is. And she's got those. Sim- uh, I mean, the hair, come on. We like, and we're led to believe that the hair, and we're led to believe that the hair just kind of poofed up when she got like, Electricity through her. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Yeah, she got electrocuted. So the hair was, was designed by to look like Nefertiti, the Egyptian. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes. Like have Nefertiti hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel so sorry for the monster after the bride comes because, like, he's like, oh. Friend? oh my God. It's how, so sad. How is he going like, to compete with that? And then they sit her down next to him and she's like, ah. Uh. ah. <laughs> scream the like, famous scream yeah it's in moments like this that you can really tell that james whale came from the theater yeah that this is yes. sort of staged like it would be mm-hmm. in a play yes yeah. definitely um but yeah it is it's so sad that they decided to go with this grown brain situation which probably contributed to her being so off put by the monster and you know all this time like again i this is not one of those movies that i just put on i just i unfortunately have not watched it a lot of times so i have the ideas of lines and and scenes and the imagery and the we belong dead line is iconic Mm-hmm. iconic line in movie not only like universal monster but just like movie history but to me i think most people kind of take it that he's saying it to her mm-hmm. but it, i feel like he's kind of more so saying it to dr pretorius like fuck you dude yeah. like so <laughs> this is another case of studio meddling because henry was supposed to die he was supposed to yeah. die with all of them. Makes more sense. The, the, um, but they wanted like a happy ending. They wanted to have a happy ending. Yeah. So, so Elizabeth somehow escapes. Like they literally, the scene before the bride is away is is um, 
brought to life. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth is like tied up and ca- they have like a telephone, like years before <laughs> telephones were invented. Rhetoric is like, she will speak to you on this electronic device. And this electronic and device. No, I'm in a cave, Henry, Henry. And like, and like, I have no idea how the hell this woman got out of her binds. I have no idea how she got to like where they're doing the experiment in like minutes because it's literally minutes. But she's on the other end of like this bar door like, Henry, Henry, come with me, please, quick. Mm-hmm. And and the monster has this switch that's supposed to like blow up like it will blow us to atoms. Like, mm-hmm. why would you put that? There? Right. I there? know. <laughs> That's a bad, bad design choice, Dr. Pretorius. Yeah, wrong lever. <laughs> wrong lever. So Pretorius is supposed to, like, like the monster is very adamant. Like, you go, you live, yep. we belong dead. And he is saying that to Pretorius. Like, you don't deserve to live. Yeah. You belong dead. Yeah. And, but also, like you said, you know, uh, Henry's actual bride makes this crazy, like, uh, she is the bride of yeah she is the bride of Frankenstein but like once they pull that lever the two of them are on foot that entire castle just implodes within moments I don't know how the hell she pulled out a magic carpet out of her like purse or something because there's no way they made it out of that alive well so the original cut and it was super expensive and they were already like over a hundred thousand dollars over budget for this movie so the original cut, Henry is inside the lab and it's exploding. And you can kind of still see it. So it's exploding. And you see Henry and like the explosions. It's the wide shots. But, yeah, but he gets away and then it's the whole like the end. This is a mm-hmm. universal picture. The the like a little plane. plane around the globe, which in Xanadu becomes a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> so the title of this movie is – the Bride of Frankenstein. And I wonder, you know, because in, you know, the modern age and even as a child growing up in the 80s, Frankenstein is the monster. You know, like you just grow up thinking when you hear the name Frankenstein, you think of the creature, right? Um, and it's just, it's one of those things where everybody gets to that age where it's like, well, you know, Frankenstein was the well, doctor. Actually, yeah. I was going to, I was going to say, it's almost as if the advertising executives at Universal were just throwing up their arms and just saying, we're just going to fucking call it the Bride of Frankenstein. And I wonder if even in the thirties, everybody would look at Karloff and just be like, Frankenstein. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so- it was that big. This movie is really where the whole trope of the monster is, is also Frankenstein. the monster is Frankenstein. Yeah. That's like yeah. where it kind of like what got Began. certified. Yeah. But is Frankenstein's monster not the son of Frankenstein? Right. Yeah. Not make him also a Frankenstein? True. True. Yes. And does Frankenstein, does Henry slash Victor Frankenstein, are they not also a monster in their own <gasps> way? Well, mm-hmm. I mean, yes. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about the queer subtext of this movie, because there's been a lot that's been written on the gayness that is this movie. And it's interesting. It's just like when you just put yourself in James Whale, like he probably wasn't 
consciously thinking about a lot of that when he was making the movie. But when you look back all these years later, it's obviously there. So there's a little bit of like death of the author with it that like the artist's intent are kind of removed from the audience. And this is what the audience is projecting onto the movie. But the movie works really well as this kind of parable of what it was like to be gay at this time most definitely like if you think about it this way think about a a gay subtextual reading of the monster's experience being chased from town to town by Mm -hmm. angry villagers being blamed for everything wrong that happened in the village there is a scene that's cut where a character kills his uncle and blames it on the monster yeah and was also by dwight ryan that was cut think about the fact that the the monster has kind of like a happy home life with the the hermit and then he's kind of found out like macho hunters come in Mm -hmm. and burn down their house basically so yes there is that subtext but then there's also like we mentioned dr pretorius being a queer-coded villain he um he basically lures henry frankenstein away from his wedding bed yeah to make to make a family unit life. of their own. Yeah. To create life on their own. And I mean, this is completely the celluloid closet talking right now. Like I am literally, <laughs> quoting the celluloid closet. but, but it, it's very much, it's very much the nightmare on Elm street two of the universal monsters canon. Yeah. If anybody's interested, uh, any of our listeners who have not seen the movie gods and monsters, I would definitely recommend it. It's one of my all-time favorites. I, I, I can't. I cannot. If you love Universal Monsters, yeah. I cannot suggest it enough. Yeah, you get it a, is so good. You give a little. You get a little perspective on James Whale's experience in the studio system because he was not necessarily in the closet. He was very right. open with his sexuality. That everyone at Universal knew that he was gay, mm-hmm. and they just sort of trusted him to make these movies for kind of the masses because he knew how to put on a show. It was kind of an open secret. Yeah, yeah. And if you think about it. Look at how queer the cast was. I mean, Edwin Thessinger, who played Pretorius, may or may not have been. There's been yeah. rumors that he was and wasn't. Um, Colin Clive was definitely bisexual. Um, Elsa Lancaster was married to Charles Lawton. And if you believe Full oh, Service by sure. Scotty Powers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Do a Google um, so search she- on that one. <laughs> yeah. If... And so she was kind of like a big fruit fly herself. Mm-hmm. So it was very much like a queer cast. And and that kind of like bled into the movie when they created it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, to say nothing of the fact that it's starring the very dreamy Brendan Fraser. Yeah, and yeah. he's even he's even styled to be like the monster. He's the monster too. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite moments of Gods and Monsters is when who's the actor who's the entertainment reporter? It is uh, or Jack, like Jack Plotnik. Jack, Jack Plotnik. Is, he's like a college student. We love Jack Plotnik. We love ja- we uh, love that scene where he's sitting by the pool and every question that he asks James, he has to take off an item of clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite scene is when he orchestrates this reunion of all of the monsters with Elsa Lancaster with Boris Karloff. And they're at a party for Queen Margaret 
at um Princess Margaret or Princess Margaret at uh the director of Gigi Gigi's uh house uh, house sure who is that that's um I'll find it um but I love the look on Elsa Lancaster's face when they're posing for the photo and she's just like James isn't it great to be famous and you can just <laughs> tell that she is just so fucking over this movie that yeah. she's been recognized. It's the sixties. Yeah. We're at Vincent Minnelli's house at a party. It's like fucking thirty-five years later, and they're like, "Here, t- just just get together for this picture for the Inquirer. They're gonna love it." Colin Clive wasn't in that scene, though, was he? No, because he died Colin in like thirty-seven. Yeah, he died. He died like yeah, he died in thirty-seven. So yeah, he died right after this movie. Yeah, he must have yeah. made like one or two more movies he- after this. Yeah. Which is crazy because Colin Clive's IMDb, he has fully like two or three more movies after Brandon Frankenstein and he died in 1937, but that was a studio system. Bitch, you were making movie yeah. after movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was – so since since this Halloween, I've been very much like on a Universal Monsters kick. Mm-hmm. I've been like reading how many, how many freaking movies Lon Chaney Jr. Oh, made. my God. How many yeah. movies Karloff made? Like – just so many because they just crank them out, yeah. crank them out, crank them out. And even towards the end of the uh, studio system when they made um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, like they're still cranking out Abbott I was, and Costello movies. I was going to say, when did Bela Lugosi uh, make his way into the Frankenstein like universe? Was it so meets the Wolfman or was in, it in in um, Ghost of Frankenstein oh, is when Jesus. he played Eagle. <laughs> Oh, oh my I God. think it was, it was. I think it was maybe Son of Frankenstein, but Ghost of Frankenstein is when he puts they put his brain in the monster. Oh my God! And and wow. then in the very next movie, Bella Lugosi in Wolfman Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Bella Lugosi is playing the monster, right. and he has a beauty mark on his chin. <laughs> Beauty mark right there. Why not? <laughs> I do have an update. What party they go to? It's George Cukor. It's George Cukor. Oh, okay. It's not. Yep. It's not Vincent. It's Minnelli. not Vincent Minnelli. Okay. Yep. What's the George Cukor party? Even it gayer. Been a very gay party. It was yeah. A gay party. <laughs> I love that. And I love how. And I love people to that party. And I love how yeah. George Cukor or like how James Will talks about George George Cukor like that old queen like that one. <laughs> I guess I'll go. Yeah, I have to yeah. say, Ian McKellen. I mean, uh, listeners, if like we said, if you're if you're not familiar with this movie, robbed of the Oscar, these performances are insane. Ian Lynn McKellen, Redgrave Lynn is so Redgrave. good. Oh my god! And yeah. oh my god, Lynn Redgrave. And Lynn Redgrave is sort of James Wales's uh, Igor <laughs> that's looking after him. Yeah, that's very deep. Yeah. <laughs> He's both his Igor and his mini. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we'll definitely put some clips. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely put some clips of, of 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 gods and monsters on 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 the social media accounts. But that's that's definitely worth checking out if you're if you're interested in this whole uh, you know making of. So, do you think that almost James Whale is the source of why? gay men just gravitate towards horror do you think that he's sort of like started it all started it all so i mean that's a very that's a very interesting like posit to think of Mm -hmm. um but when it comes down to it gay men are drawn to horror because we are othered we enjoy stories of 
people who are othered and also stories of others who strike back. Yeah. Like, I, you know, Frankenstein flat out kills like 10 people in this movie. <laughs> and that's just because, you know, he just wants his rotisserie chicken. That's another thing about Gods and Monsters. We keep going back to it, but there are these really fun flashback scenes in it. And um, there's a lot of really cool flashback stuff where, you know, they're there at the during the production of Bride of Frankenstein. It's the laboratory scene. That's the thing. Yeah, because I was like, Colin Colin Clive wouldn't have been at George Cukor's party. He would have been dead by then. Yeah, but, um, you know, it has these actors portraying Colin Clive and portraying, you know, Ernest Thesiger. And the the actor that's portraying, you know, Dr. Pretorius, I mean, come on, with, with this delivery, here it is. The Bride of Frankenstein. Just rolling those R's. The Bride of Frankenstein. We have to get a screenshot of his like mm-hmm. his little hands, his little like mincing hands. Now walk. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mitch, what do you think of the Universal catalog of the monsters? Who's your favorite? Oh, oh, I would say, I would say Lon Chaney as the Phantom of the Opera, followed by Claude Rains as the Invisible Man. Now, Lon Chaney's Phantom of the Opera, that's the color, or is that the black and white silent? That's the silent one. Okay. The color one's cockadoodoo. The color, yeah, one the, color one's, the color one's boring. We, oh. have, we have the Blu-ray set, and they include the Technicolor Phantom, and kind of boring. Oh, my God. Not it's, that great. It's a, it's a chore. Mm-hmm. Beautiful the looking, reason, but not a great movie. The reason why they don't usually include Lon Chaney's silent version is because that's in the public domain. And they can't oh, really make money there you go. That. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's right. I do love, though, I mean, the fact that the three of us on this podcast right now are Southern California residents. These Universal Monster movies, you're just like, oh, look, there they are. Oh, look, it's a backlot tour. Oh, look. Oh, look, they're in the good place. It's still a big, <laughs> it's still a big staple of the backlot tour. Pointing out the... Um, I kept pointing out to myself the Court of Miracles. Court yes. of Miracles, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. Every single Universal Monster has They're traversed all the there. Court of Miracles at least once. And you know, that goes back to that Phantom of the Opera that you're the, the that silence. That goes back to the Phantom of the Opera. At the very end of the movie, they chase the Phantom out there and, and you know, vigilante justice him. That to me blows my mind that something that was in a movie from. God knows when, what year was that? You can just sit on a tram and just, there it is. And you know, drive right past it. The Universal Tram Ride was probably one of my first big introductions to this material. Because when right. I was a kid, I think exactly. I just I just knew them by, by image. I didn't know a yeah. lot about the movies. So you just, that's like a big impression for a kid that loves movies is when they drive past those sets and there's the yeah. I can't remember what stage number it is but there's a certain stage that they shot all of these movies at. What is it? Stage 28 was the stage that they filmed the opera house for Phantom of the Opera. Wow. Um, it was also where they filmed Dracula's Castle and Dracula and I believe a few uh, like uh, quite a few other movies but they kept half of the most of the opera house set up there because that's where they filmed it in the 40s that's where they filmed it you know and wow. it was also allegedly haunted by Lon Chaney's ghost. Love and, it. And na- and now it's the home of Cloud Nine on Superstore Tuesdays on ABC. <laughs> it, no, it, I, they the 
it to build I just freaking made <laughs> Nintendo Land. Oh, uh, <laughs> Nintendo so if, Land. I love it. If Lon Chaney's ghost is going to haunt Nintendo Land, I'm completely here for I'm it. I'm there. I'm there. All right. One last thing. <laughs> Mary Fuck Kill. Universal Monsters. I was going to say that. I was going to say. I was going to say. You guys better be ready for Mary F. Kill Universal Monsters. Well, which are the All three? Right. <laughs> you got to lay. You got to lay some monsters down. Okay, so, right, so let's see. Mary would be Dracula. I would marry Dracula because you get that real estate. <laughs> you get that real estate. Beautiful castle on the hill. I feel like I would. I would probably fuck Wolfman because he looks like he's pretty wild in the sack. Ooh. He'd be fun. He might put some scratches on your back, but hey, that might be kind of fun. And kill um, the 50s fan of the opera. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, okay, so Mary with Dracula. Um, the Invisible Man would be my would be my fudge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's smart. Who are you killing? And especially he's like, and he's like, I'm strong and I can throttle you. I'm like, ooh, daddy. <laughs> and for kill it would be the mummy it would be the original mummy though like not the boris karloff one but like the later ones in the 40s yeah i think i would also probably marry count dracula now for for fuck i don't know if i would i'm conflicted because like i think the creature I think the creature from the Black Lagoon is, like, really horny. So, like, I don't know. I think the creature from the Black Lagoon is, like, he's, like, part animal. Well, he's, like, all animal. He's, like, super horny. So he's up there. But also... I want to see shake water. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, Frankenstein's monster is, like, seven feet tall. Climb him so, like a tree. So you know what that means. So that's a toss-up right there. And then kill, I mean, who cares? Like, kill the wolf, man. Kill the phantom. So that's mine. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, I think we I think it's time to wrap it up. I think it's time for final thoughts. Did we leave did we leave anything out? Does anybody have any final thoughts on The Bride of Frankenstein and this queer ass movie? I I have a little final thro- thought that I liked from Roger Ebert's review on sure. great movies for Bride of Frankenstein. Seen today, Wales masterpiece is more surprising than it uh Seen today, Wales' masterpiece is more surprising than when it was made because today's audiences are more alert to buried hints of homosexuality, necrophilia, and sacrilege. But you don't have to deconstruct it to enjoy it. It's satirical, exciting, funny, and an influential masterpiece of art direction. It's a beautifully made movie. Yes, indeed. It really is. Like like I was saying about the scenes in like in like the forest with like the like sylvan background <laughs> yeah they're super cool um i i get a little wizard of oz like with those like forest scenes too um just those painted backdrops very beautiful um uh mitch do you have any final thoughts on the bride of frankenstein before we say goodbye i honestly out of the universal monsters this is just like my favorite one because it's it's just so like perfect like everything that works in it works really well yeah it it holds up it's one of the ones that for a modern audience uh like we were saying the fan of the opera can get a little slow even bella lugosi's dracula 
can get a little slow. Well, and I don't like the Bela Lugosi's Dracula because I feel like it's not that great of a pass at the material, too. Yeah, yeah. But so Bella Lugosi's Dracula is really more of it's it's literally a stage play. Yes, yes. And you can tell the script of, of this play. play and put it on screen. Yep. Whereas the Spanish version of mm-hmm. Bella Lugosi's Dracula, mwah, Chef's Kiss, that is a better movie. It's really good. It's on the DVD. If you can track down a copy of that DVD, DVD. which I and own. so is the Philip Glass. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the Philip Glass to make it extra gay. Love it. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Well, I mean, this has been a lot of fun recapping the Bride of Frankenstein. Mitch, you have a good Halloween. Do you have anything spooky planned at home to commemorate the so, day? So I'm actually going to be watching a four day live virtual ghost hunt on the Queen Mary. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. <laughs> um, I have I've guest starred in my friend Spooky Brucey's Halloween special. Um, you can find it on YouTube at um, Spooky Brucey's Tale of Midnight. Just do a quick search. Fun. Um, it should be dropping literally Halloween, Halloween weekend. He says so. Anytime from like Friday till Halloween, <laughs> so it should be dropping soon. Um, but besides that, I've been like this has been like a, more of a creative Halloween. I've been writing like short horror stories every day in October and sure. you know, I just did this podcast. So fun. Awesome. That's well, great. Are, are, can we expect any appearances from uh, one Mr. Or one doctor? Professor Phantasma. Professor Phantasma. <laughs> oh, definitely my friends. I will definitely be showing up in the Halloween special. I'll be telling the story of, Stingy Jack, or as he's now known, Jack O'Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's amazing. And that's going to be on YouTube, he said. It's going to be on YouTube. <clears throat> it's going to be on YouTube. <laughs> Had to come out of your out of your professor voice there. Out of your <laughs> out of your trance. <laughs> it was, it was, I literally filmed it like within like five days in my bathroom against a black screen with like like blue and green lighting and a smoke machine. I love it. I love it. So you got to do it, man. You got to hustle. <laughs> got to hustle. All right, Mitch. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was so much fun. It was. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween, Mitch. Happy Halloween. We'll definitely have you on again soon for another uh, spooky, ooky, kooky episode. But until then, I think it's time to say goodnight and have a happy Unpleasant dreams, Mitch. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, man. And thank you for listening, everybody. That was a great show. Great one. So much fun. We love Bride of Frank. Oh, my God. Go watch Bride of Frankenstein if you haven't watched it. And go watch Gods and Monsters. I think it's on Peacock. Ah. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, Gods and Monsters is on Prime because I was watching a little bit of it today. Oh, fun. It's on Amazon Prime. Go watch it. Well, uh, we've got a brand new review. We do. This comes all the way from the land of Canada. A new review from a listener in Canada titled, Yes, Five Stars. <laughs> I just love this podcast. Pete and Scott are so entertaining. I love their insights and thoughts on many of my favorite movies. Highly recommend. 
Love it. That's Love that. so cool. Thank you so much. Does it have a, a listener name on there? Oh, yes. This is from Marky581. Marky581. From Thank Apple Podcasts in Canada. Thank you so much. You know Apple Podcasts, they segregate those That's reviews. That's weird. I don't like that. So wackadoo. So when so if you look at our podcast in the United States on Apple Podcasts, you won't see that review. We get notified about it though. We do get the notifications, and um, there are are actually. Did we read those other two reviews? We did. We read them online already. Okay, we read them in an episode. Well, thank you for those last two people who wrote us. Love the reviews, and thank you for this five star review. We would love it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Read it, or we'll read it on the air. We will. If you write it. Just like we read we'll that do it. last one. And also give us five stars. If you see any stars anywhere when you're looking at our show, hit the fifth one. Smash them to those five. Just smash it, man. I mean, give us five stars. It helps, you know, for our show to get helps visibility distributed. It helps for people to find us. But thank you so much for listening. We love all of our listeners. You can also check us out on Patreon. Yes, Movies That Made a Scam Patreon. Yes, indeed. Just Go and check out our tiers on Patreon. There's so much fun stuff. We did a new Watch With Us movie commentary. We did H2O. Halloween H2O. It's really fun. So if you want to sit down and watch Halloween H2O, that crazy ride, and you want to hear what me and Scott have to say about it, check us out on Patreon. Check out the tiers. And you could watch with us. Get our cute little newsletter of the month. Oh, we do too. I love it. I love the newsletter. There's two a month. Yeah. Check us out on Patreon. And you can also check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Movies That Made Us Gay. And you can check us out on Twitter at MTMUG Pod. Perfect. Ah, we got it. Finally. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.